Most creators, they just take contracts from the brands. And I feel like a lot of the language I see is very predatory. A lot of the contracts I see is you're writing absurd language, hoping I will read it. Welcome to the Creator COO, the show where we surface the operators behind your favorite content and creators. I'm your host, Matt Estes. Today's conversation is with Amanda Markovich. Amanda is the business manager behind the success of John Ushai, a creator with an impressive 400,000 YouTube subscribers. Under Amanda's management, John has seen his YouTube channel skyrocket with a staggering 300 million views in the past year alone. And she has cultivated lucrative partnerships with brands like American Express, Google, HubSpot, and Microsoft. In today's episode, we unpack the layered responsibilities of the creator COO role from driving operational efficiency to navigating brand sponsorships. We discuss strategies and best practices for effective vendor management and team coordination, and we explore the key traits creators should look for when considering a COO partnership. So with that, I bring you Amanda Markovich. Amanda, thanks for being here. Welcome thanks to so the much, podcast. I'm happy to be here. One of the the missions of this um, of this show is to focus more of a spotlight on the operators behind your your favorite content and your and your favorite creators. The creators are always in the spotlight, so now it's it's time to put Amanda in the spotlight. Yeah, it's my turn finally, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. On on that note, then um, maybe we could start out with with a little bit of context here, yeah. and um, I'd love to hear a bit more about in in the context of that partnership that you just mentioned. What is your role today? What do you do? So I, I basically run the entire business. That's not, you know, John focuses on the content, the scripts, the editing. Um, but but this is a, you know, this is a, a business we're running. So that, that means anything from I'm negotiating all these contracts. Some of them are 100 pages long. I'm redlining them. I'm making sure he's protected, that his likeness isn't being used in a way that that I don't approve of, that the brand deals are fair, that the posting agreements are fair. Um, I'm doing all his billing. I'm setting up KPIs to make sure our costs and our budgets are are in, you know are set up so we can run a profitable business. I'm checking the production schedule to make sure we can deliver on time. Um, to you know, to make sure our brands are happy. Sure. Um, Who you know, and also hiring, compliance. Um, you know, anything that goes into running a, a business from start to finish, uh, really. Yeah, there's a and there's a it, it's a long laundry laundry list of things that that yeah. I'm sure that has to happen outside of whoever's on the camera creating the content. Who, yeah, who is John, and what's your relationship to John? Yeah, so for me, you know, it's it's uh, we're married, so that's there's that relationship there. Um, but all you know, I also run his business and. I think you'll see a lot of creators or or even just people in media have a family member on the business side of their operation. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, one, here, I'm not just protecting his business, right? His business is his likeness, it's who he is, it's who identity. And I don't know that there's a lot of people who will do anything to protect him in the way I can. Um, you know, and if you look at agents or other types of people in this business, you know, I'm not motivated by commission. And there's a lot of deals where I'll say, I don't think this is good for your image. I don't care what the pay is. You know, I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. Um, and I think that setup is too important, important. And the other part is the commitment that's required. You know, sometimes I'm working 10, 12, you know, 100 hours a week. Um, <laughs> or if he has a last minute shoot, I'm running around to find camera string at 6 o'clock in the morning. Or there's nothing I, I won't do to make sure he's successful. 
And I think you need to be an equity partner or you need that type of motivation to fairly to have that type of commitment. And, you know, on the other side, not to um, put, you know, agents are fantastic. They bring us deals, but a lot of times they're not set up with the right motivation to have that dedication. So, um, you know, I, yeah, I think both those let, let things come to play. Let's, I want to unpack that a little bit. You said some really interesting things in there. So mm -hmm. the, I think the three things I heard, one was about trust. Yeah. There's a, you know, as, as spouses, there's a, there's a high level of trust in your relationship. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, the second thing that you mentioned was, a, I, I think it was really about like alignment to business outcomes. So, and, and I agree, by the way, we, we, I, I talk to hundreds of creators a year and I see yeah. dozens of, you know, spouse or other family tight relationships between creator and creator operator. It's really yeah. interesting. Um, but that, that second point was about like, the 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 alignment to business outcomes, and I guess if you if you're a family member or spouse, then you're sort of definitionally equity incentivized, uh, which is yeah. a great way to. Yeah, I'm uh, looking for align. long term wins. I'm not looking for like short term commissions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you? And the third thing I heard in there was sort of about like dedication and work. It's like you're sort of aligned in this mission, which I, I imagine drives you and. And because yeah. you're because you're incentivized the right way through equity, and um, there's a high level of trust, then you're you're going at that extra mile to 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 do the work, yeah, whatever I it think, takes. I think is sort of how you phrased it. Yeah, and the, the other thing I didn't add is actually just making strategic decisions. I think it'd be really hard to have the type of influence that I have. You know, when we decide, let's say we spent 40k making a video in terms of you know editing and producing it and script writing and brand deals we had on it. And we'll say, you know, we shouldn't post this. This is, it didn't come out the way we like it. Mm. Um, it doesn't give the right message. And I can make that call. Um, and I don't think there's a lot of people John would listen to who would say, yeah, you're right. Uh, after all that investment, you know, so I, I think that's, it's, it is trust, but also I, I'm sure, you know, there are people who work with great COs who do have that trust. I'm not saying it has to be that way, but I think that's, that's hard to have that influence yeah. on a, on a creator if, if you hire somebody, you know, and, and sure. so my voice is, there's, there's something about and, you have enough yeah. trust such that you can yeah. maybe push back, uh, on the creator and maybe, maybe, um, yeah. Or like, yeah. Uh, or, and, or, you know, he knows that you're, you're fully there to support him regardless of an outcome of a project or something like that. Totally makes sense to me. How did you get mm -hmm. into, what is your background and how did you get into this role? as the, yeah, what, so what, what would you call yourself? Would you call yourself a business manager or a COO? I call myself a business manager just because I, I, I think I manage the business. A creator COO is a good name. Um, partnerships is a part of it. So, but I like the COO title better. It sounds better. So thank Fancier. you. <laughs> yeah, I, I might change my title. Um, but um, I've been doing this for about a, a year full-time. Um, two years, a year before that, uh, a little bit more part-time. Um, but the truth is I've been doing this for over a decade. I've, my background's in real estate. I worked for CBRE, for Cushman, for JLL, managing hospitals, uh, the Transamerica Pyramid in San Francisco, uh, you know, with $20 million budgets. And you'd say, what does it have, what is similar about those two roles? But it's really the exact same thing. You know, I, I couldn't have had better training and better skills in terms of running a whole operation, you know, negotiating real estate leases, reading long 100-page leases, um, and realizing the implications of legal language and, and, and all the accounting and financial side of, of running a profitable business. 
So it's just the terms that are different. But I, I had unbelievable training, so I felt like it was meant to be. So you you um, had all this this experience outside the the, the creator economy, yeah. presumably that you could that you could bring yeah. in, and you found it very applicable. Yeah, and I, I really found those skills trained me for this, um, undoubtedly. So one yeah. of the your situation, while you're you're not the only obviously fam, familial yeah. relationship in, in this in this type of setting, um, it is still I think a bit outside the norm. And you know I talk to a lot of creators who are um, who are looking to hire a business manager. Yeah. And I do recall I think last time we chatted you mentioned that I, I think you had you had looked for you would look to hire an outside business manager at one point right. Yeah. It, what, any any thoughts on that experience or any words of advice yeah, I mean, I think coming out of it? It's hard. You know, I definitely don't want to say anything bad about anyone we've worked with in the past. And there's a reason I'm doing this role today because it is very hard to find that level of trust, um, like I said. But it, if I wasn't around, and I asked John this question, you know, like, what would you do if he didn't have me? I mean, he'd really look for someone who understood the creator economy because I'm making judgment calls, strategic decisions about what to post, who to work with to protect his brand. Um, and then who's really operationally sound. Mm. So maybe someone who worked in operations in, in a tech company, in a big business, um, who really, you know, who knows how to implement processes, efficiency, because... So you feel, you feel like that, that operator role at a tech startup could be applicable Abs- oh, to the absolutely. I mean, and also in particular, I, I think creatives in general, you know, to be creative is kind of the opposite of being operational because you're trying to make the best, you have a goal of making the best, most engaging content, which could like take a hundred could take way too long to produce, which would cost way too much. And so, but your goal is to make it as best as possible. And the operator's role is to reel it in and, and, and do it in a way that makes sense. So I don't think you can optimize for both of those things at the same time. Yeah. And there's, yeah. there's a lot of examples of that in the tech world. I, I talk to a lot of creators who are in your shoes and John's shoes who are looking for business managers or GMs or COOs or whatever you want to call them depending on the stage. And there's, I found from those conversations that there's a lot more demand for good business managers than, than it seems that there is supply. And yeah, everyone seems say, to be struggling to find some, Yeah, it's, it's hard to find good help, as they say. In general, in any industry, in any you know, profession role, I think it's hard to hire and keep good talent. Yeah. Um, but it's, I think it's interesting that you, you could see folks moving over from the startup world potentially. Yeah. So I would say even, you know, even though I do value or we value people who understand media for my role in particular, I would rather pick someone who had no media experience, who was Mm. very strong operationally than the opposite. You know, your creator is the visionary and then you, you need an operator partner who can, uh, maybe who's more cost focused or a bit more conscientious and down to earth. That sounds like, honestly, that sounds like a like a visionary startup CEO and a startup COO to me. And, it sounds and really similar. A, yeah, and also you have to think from a creator's perspective. My, the, I'm trying to pro- the one thing I'm trying to protect on top of his image and our business is John's time. Right, the biggest mm-hmm. thing we have to sell is his time. We're not a lot of creators go and delve and they sell product and build other businesses on top of their brand, but to maintain that you have to you have to build content and taking content and scripting it and coming out with good ideas takes a lot of time. He could spend 100 hours editing a one-hour video. He watches the, the 10 hours of footage 100 times, tweaking every, like, every five minutes. Like, so he could spend weeks on one video. And, and so 
part of my job is to implement processes to make sure that his time is well spent. So, you know, I've, I've introduced payment softwares or like at different types of editing software or Mm -hmm. just processes to communicate with our teams better editing templates. So part of my job is I'm trying to make him more efficient because I know, you know, his time is, is valuable. And uh, to add on that, in an ideal world, you know, he's doing all these other things. He's taking meetings. I want him to do nothing but film on camera because that's the only thing that's irreplaceable. Mm. Um, so I have to get him to let go. And we're working on that. We're making progress. And it's hard. Because, yeah, I was just going to ask, how, how, how does he feel about that? And how does, and, you know, you're, you're, this, you're this, this efficiency-driven mind, yeah. super thoughtful, very operationally savvy. How does... How does someone like John, who's more maybe more creative, more, you know, maybe less conscientious, how, how does he react? And what's that dynamic between the two of you? Um, like? It's hard, but he realizes it's necessary. And, you know, the familiar relationship helps in that way because, one, I say, you know, you're not doing this for fun. Okay. I know you, you want to give people creator advice and you're passionate about helping people in the space, but this is also your career and you're trying to make a living. And, you know, when you start, you're kind of spending a lot more than you're taking in because brands don't want to work with you until you reach a certain size. And, you know, there's a lot of investment. He was taking his entire salary for years and Mm -hmm. investing it into our channel. And, you know, now we're starting to make money. But now we're at 400,000 followers and it's been a couple of years. Um, So uh, to to bring it back in is how does he feel about that? He he understands it's necessary. Um, It's it's hard to let go. So I'm how I'm I'm bringing this up with him is. I'm, I'm saying, let's delegate one video. Let someone else edit the entire thing. I know you may not like it, but let's just show you the finished product and if it's okay with that. Mm. And if it's not, we have the real footage. We could do it again. So I'm kind of testing people to see who we could trust. And if I take him out of that editing space, um, he doesn't know what he would have done differently. He just knows he likes the final and he won't get stuck in the weeds. It, th- um, this is another parallel, I think, to... And it, Forgive me, my background is in tech, so I'll keep no, making these. I'll keep making these analogies, but yeah. it's such an it's another example of I've I've worked with I don't know hundreds, thousands of of tech startup CEOs, and you're describing something to me that sounds really familiar from the startup world, which is John is you know for for he's very successful and and. Yeah. He became successful presumably by being focused obsessively yeah. perhaps on his product, which in this is. case yeah. is his content. And so he's having a hard time, or maybe sometimes he has a hard time being a bit more hands-off and, and delegating. Yeah, for sure. That's similar to tech. In a way that it's not is that you feel like you're putting your love and your image into the world, whereas I think it's a bit less personal when it comes to a startup. It's a good um, point. But, your but product, your product is you. It's your the face. Product is you, yeah. And so that's that's more sensitive, but it definitely is a similar feeling. And where the relationship, our personal relationship, helps is that I'm like John. You you can't work, uh, f- you know, three two hundred hours a week, or like you made commitments to me. We have a kid. Like you have to have time to eat dinner, <laughs> for you know. And and so he and which is funny, but but the fact that what actually helps to explain that further is it really helps that I can come in and say. This is a priority. This is not. I think a lot of sp- like maybe spouses when they're um, like thinking their husband works too much or, or or whatever, like don't have the means to say, don't know what's going on. And I could say, no, today you could like disappear for a week. This is a huge business opportunity. I don't want to see you work around the clock for this week. I value this a lot. Mm. Another time I could say, I don't care about this deal that much. Uh, my personal time with you is more important. And I could I could make those calls, and he trust me that I'm putting the business in in a as, as a huge importance in our life as well. 
Um, so that that actually helps our marriage, I, I would say. Interesting. That is a, that's a very unique that's a very unique dynamic to the um, the spouse yeah. business manager. Yeah, yeah. The um, hmm. You talked a bit about. So you, you talked a lot about like sort of driving of driving efficiency. Mm-hmm. Could you double click into that? Like, how do you how do you measure efficiency? Like, do you have do you have any metrics where that you look at where you're like. I, I don't know what they are, cost per video I, or whatever that's it is. That's what it is. I, cost, I have cost per video. Um, and I, I'm still working on that. The cost per video is a big one. I had, you know, I had all our vendors structure invoices in, in a specific way, listing the exact amount of hours and dollars spent on every single video. And I put that against the brand deal. So I'm measuring profitability. Uh, yeah, per, you're, per measuring, you're measuring return on investment. That's all. That's, yeah, that's, that's what I'm so saying. Got it. So you're just to, to double click. So you're... You're looking at you're measuring very closely the production cost inputs, um, dollars and time spent, and presumably John's time too, and then comparing that to the brand yeah. deal. Yeah. So I have so every vendor I onboard, right? I get their their W nine, their banking information, and on their invoices, I say you have to specifically say which what's the title video you worked on for every thumbnail, for every video shoot, for every editing hour spent. I also measure in the intro of the video edit versus the long form because the intro is much more, um, it takes more time, um, for a short clip because they have to, you know, go through the entire footage and do something in 30 seconds. How do you, how do you know if you hit, do you have an efficiency target? Like, how do you know if do you have a benchmark or something? How do you know if, if we're not uh, there yet right now because the videos just have to come out. Sometimes we just, we still decide to do shoots that we'll lose money on. Um, for example, we just shot, um, dude perfect in this amazing studio in Arkansas, like six cameras, um, very fancy set. So, and, and that's, that's going to be a loss, but like, that's a huge interview and we're super psyched about it. And that's going to be good for his brand. I think, um, generally I'm trying to go for 50% profitability in terms of, you know, um, and, and we do hit that. Sometimes we do better than that. Sometimes we do worse, but that's about, um, my benchmark. And so this is a, this is a 50% profitability on top of cost. per Per video metric. Per video. Okay. But to, clearly, that doesn't include our fixed costs, right? I'm measuring variable costs because we have a lot of people on staff. Sure. Um, that you know, um, that are you know that like are, a contribution are, profit, like a, a. That are always that are you know regular expenses that aren't um, variable costs with the video. I think now we're finally like hitting the ground running and getting lots of brand deals, but this is relatively new for mm. us. I mean, we just started two years ago really a year ago when, when I came in, when, you know, we, I started doing these brand deals. And so I, I've been doubling our, our, our cost, our sponsorship amounts by double every quarter. Oh, wow. Um, but like I said, you know, John's about at 400,000 on YouTube, so we're still plenty of room to grow. So you're really, um, you are really in growth mode. I'm in growth mode. So I, I can't speak in the long run if that's true for us. And in, in a year, um, we've success, we started really low and, you know, um, keep going up and up and up in terms of cost. And beyond that, I would say, if you're talking about long-term relationships with the partners, I just value long-term relationships with partners across the board for multiple reasons. I mean, one, it takes a long time to get to know someone, to trust someone, to really speak to the brand in, in, in a way that feels authentic. And I, I, don't, I don't just want to push products. I really want to particularly support brands that we use that we believe in because I, I want to be a fair endorser of those brands. And I don't want to negotiate with a million people too. It just takes more time away from me. So I value my time. If I know you and I know the product, yeah. I can do a renewal on a new deal and super, super quickly, right? 
Um, yeah, and, it spe- speaks to the value of that. Um, yeah, that, that brand retention and, and, over time. And beyond that, I, I I just we also value authenticity, right? If I'm pushing the same product of like the same feature of a bunch of different companies, I just look at like a like a I don't know a sleazy salesman or something. Like I'm taking any money someone gonna, gives me. That's going detra- gonna... to detract from John's brand. I don't. Yeah. So it just uh, long term relationships are just a win win for everyone. Um, so ideally, we want brands several brands in different verticals that we can work with on a long-term basis. Um, and that, that's the goal. I want to, I want to go back to the, uh, the, the creator COO role. Okay. One of my observations is that the creator COO persona, again, whether it's called COO business manager yeah, <laughs> yeah. or, or anything else, it's, it's pretty undefined. And, I've got this idea. I, I think in the sometime in the near term, I'd like to open source a, a job description for you know what is this yeah. what does this person actually do to help other creators have a starting point to hire. If you if you had to write like five or six bullet points uh, with yourself as a frame of reference for what the you know what that job description might look like, what what would those I don't know, five or six bullet points. Being. Yeah, I think I'll, I would frame it similar to what I said earlier. If you worked in operations at a startup or a different company, right? Have you run a P&L in financials before where you can measure profitability, like um, coding invoices, um, compliance? Like I set up all our billing systems because like a lot of these creators, they don't even know, they don't even know the most basic thing of where to start with that kind of thing. Or like I, you know, I'm getting make sure we have proper insurance, you know, with all these like lawsuits going on against creators, especially for FTX and things like mm. that. I'm really keen on the right insurance. So this sort of this legal and administrative layer. Yeah, and then well. in terms of you know legal costs, a lot of these creators, we you know we speak to other creators all the time because I have my instincts, and so I'll talk to like other people in this role what they did with the creators they're sponsoring because you know i don't know everything and i want to get information oh yeah and the, the thing i was saying about legal you know a lot of create most creators i was asking other uh creator ceos in this role they they just take contracts from mm. the brand because a lot of brands are big companies and they'll take brands and i feel like a lot of the language i see is very predatory um and not even i understand you're trying to protect your interests we want to protect ours but i feel like you're a lot of the contracts I see is you're writing absurd language, hoping I won't read it. That's like, and, and to go into the operational soundness of that, you know, um, since I have legal training, um, I'm not a lawyer, but I, you know, I, I do do a lot of legal work. Um, I'll, I'll hire a, a, like an, an, an entertainment lawyer that works with influencers to n- maybe like review certain sections or, you know, so I don't get like a hundred hours of billables, but um, that's how I operate. Makes sense. And so yeah. let me, so, to, so like five bullet points, you, so the first oh, was sorry. expense, sort of expense management, back office, finance, big part of your job. The second was um, sort of legal and legal and compliance, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the sort of legal administrative uh, work. The third I heard you mention was like vendor management and people management. A partnerships is also a big one. And then, and then partnerships and negotiation. Yeah. Anything else? That and you also, had? you know, and general thing, critical thinking, strategic decision making, um, you know, more. There's this whole uh, strategic partnership layer. Yes. What's the direction of this business? Where should we take the revenue streams? Yeah. What are, What are the markets with the with the biggest opportunity? Yeah. That sounds like a pretty good job description. I hope. Yeah, I, I might, think so. I might steal some of that stuff and we'll open source take it. Take it. It's all yours. <laughs> 
when um when did when did you and John know that it was time for a business manager? Like, was there any particular pain, any any excruciating pain that you were feeling in the business? Um, it just needed to be done. I'd say he was getting all these inquiries from brands because he was growing, and um, the the role needed to be filled. I, I would I would just say someone needed to do it. It's you know, and just sorting through it. Even if you're a small creator, like I was doing small brand deals at ten thousand followers. But you still get so much inbound just from people wanting to send you a free product. or So you really have to have good judgment skills on or like who you want to be affiliated with. And yeah, as soon as you have a small following, like your, your, your inbox starts flooding and you got to just um, you know, figure out how to get these deals done. So it, sound, it sounds like that was, the, that was really the first pain point for you was yeah. you started getting all this inbound. Yeah, and he was missing opportunities because... You know. And you and you felt like you were missing out on all this opportunity because you just you just couldn't handle the inbox. Just sat in his inbox. He didn't have time to look at it. I was like, you know, oh here, look, I find I found a ten thousand dollar deal just in the in your junk box. Like, you know. Do you find you know, for for other creators like John? Do you think do you think the pain point? Do you think the pain point that motivates them to find a business manager is similar, or are there other I don't know other pain points you would anticipate? And you mean when uh, when to bring someone on? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, for us, it was is, it was the brand deals, um, but I think that's the biggest one because a lot of creators don't realize the operational side of it. But also, I think from the beginning, like setting up your business structure, right? We we have an S corp. You know, John had an LLC before. I changed the structure of the business. Um, how are you doing? You know, how, do you have separate business accounts? The right credit. I think just setting up a business in in a way that's that's right. Um, and a lot of creators, like, I, I don't know if you're, are you Venmoing people, like, you know, to, to pay your, I think, like, I think people do that. They probably just, that you know. Yeah, so. I, I bet a lot of people do just pay through Venmo. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I won't do that. I need a proper invoice. I need to, you know, I need a matching W9, um, all these, you know, so. You got it. I think that is taxes. a big pain point to answer your question, but I think creators don't realize the pain point because they're mm. just doing it half-ass. That's but, a, interesting. Yeah. So part part of what you're saying there is, there's all these operational hurdles, but I guess if you're a creator and you've never yeah, maybe you been don't an know operator that like that, you, you might not even be hurdle. aware that those yeah. are a problem. Yeah, like what are you going to do? I mean, there's all these articles in the New York Times like about creators and taxes. Like, you know, are, you know, I, I have every single receipt. I mean, I, I'm intense. I, I, you know, but I have like receipt tracking software. I, I have the whole. You know, I set it up with John. He just takes a picture and puts it in his WhatsApp, and then I, I get the receipt sent into my QuickBooks. Yeah, it's a, um, I, th I think it's a good point, though. I think it's yeah. it, part of your point there is there's there's all this stuff that has to happen in a properly run business, and yeah. a lot of creators, I imagine, probably just aren't aware of them, and so yeah, and I see that a lot with with you know tech startup CEOs, visionary founders too. But but to your point, maybe. Um, your first point about what what your pain point was for you and John, being having an inbox flooded with opportunities that you're missing out on because you can't handle them, I can see how that's something that pretty much anybody can pretty much anybody can get that and feel that pain right away. Yeah, my other concern with that would be like just because you can close them, like I, like I talked about all my redlining and like are you are you vetting them properly? Are you just looking at the dollar amount? You know, so that that's also important. I don't think a lot of creators would necessarily feel that pain point if if they don't think about it. They're just, you know. How many? Um, I want to get a. I'd love to get a picture of how many people you're working with as a team, as an organization, on a daily basis. So, 
and and you don't have to go into specifics if, if you don't want to, but about 10, how, how many brands are you working with simultaneously? And then how many like vendors, contractors are you working with? Um, I mean, I guess it depends on, you know, we have thumbnail design. A lot of people are on a contract basis. Like we can have a couple thumbnail designers. We now have cartoon, like cartoon artists for a newsletter, a f- few of them there. So I, I'm not counting those. We have different videographers and, also, whenever we, we have a main videographer in LA, um, his name is Richie. He, he's fantastic, Richie Films. Um, but you know, when we go on, we we do a lot of shoots in different locations because we want to go to the creators. We, you know, like I said, we were just in Arkansas. So then every time I'm in a new city, I have to vet different videographers and make sure they meet our standards and sets. And so it, it depends what you count. But on a regular basis, I'd say ten. Okay. Because um, you know, and and eight of which are uh, editors. Ten, yeah. 10 vendors, and then eight, eight of those 10 are, are editors. How do you, yes. how do you ensure quality? You, you talked a lot about efficiency, and you've got your metrics for you know, dollars, dollars per video and ROI, but um, I've at least, I mean, I found, it, I found it difficult sometimes to vet quality for creative yeah, projects. Yeah, I mean, it's hard, and sometimes we make mistakes. Um, but, you know, we learn from our vendors uh, and in, in particular, you know, John is, first of all, has a very critical eye, but all our shoots have, you know, the top of the line cameras, lights, um, you know, uh, just really like, yeah, just expensive shoots. And, 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 you know, we, we spend like sometimes 200 hours editing a video with, with graphics and we have templates that are a certain style. So I don't know if I have like a concise answer, but it's just caring about the quality of the film and the and the edits and the time that's put into it. Do you have any advice on how to go through that process of hiring good talent? Um, I, I, I would I would bet there's you, you sort of alluded to there's some situations where it didn't work out, and then yeah, situations. I mean, where I, has. I'm trying to develop processes for everything from hiring to ensuring quality of work. So in terms of efficiency, I care about efficiency, but not never at the expense of quality. Mm. Right. So if we run into an issue, hiring a vendor in a different city, which, you know, which has happened now, I'm, I have a whole list. Okay. We need these type of cameras. We need these angles. We need th- this amount of people. We need these exact lights. Show me pictures of your set. So I, I have a document that says, do you meet all these standards that we require to work with you? Um, and in terms of editors, right now I have templates of all our editing styles, our, our graphics that we use. Um, and so if I was going to vet someone from scratch today, we've kind of developed this in, with our relationships with our vendors, but I would just give them a test. Here's some footage. Um, I'll share our templates with you. What can you do? Or I'll test them on one video before hiring them, which is, which is what we're doing. We're saying, you know, and we don't have to use it. Well, and I don't call that waste money. I have budget. I call that like R and D, you know? Here's you're our like paying, investment. That, that's interesting. So you're you're paying, uh, you're you're paying the vendors for a for, as a sort tryout. of a test example project. Yeah, and they may or may not pass, but you sort of you think of that as a just another, it's another investment, and it's it's sort of just a cost of doing business to make sure that you get the best quality. It's it's a cost of investment of do we have good people working for us, and I'm measuring the quality. I'm also measuring how fast they can do it. So you're you're fairly new to this role. What, um, well, I guess you've, you've sort of been doing this work. Do, you, you've been a business manager for maybe part-time for about a year before stepping into it. I think you said full-time for a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was going to, I don't know if it's fair to say that you're relatively new because frankly, no. the space hasn't been around very long. 
Yeah. So if well, you're a business, business manager, business is relatively new, but yes. You know, I don't. I don't know that there's a lot of creator COOs, frankly, who've been doing this for longer, longer than two two years. But what advice would you give to somebody, perhaps, who's in the tech startup landscape, who's really into creators, who wants to become a creator COO, or, or frankly, anybody else who wants to make this their career path? Um, well, I think a lot of people in tech, like I said, have this, operators have these skills. So that's who I, that's who should have these jobs. And there's obviously, I think there's a lot less creators and operations people. Just no one, no one thinks of it as a creator COO or matching these two people together. Um, and I mean, to get, if you're asking like, how do you get into the role? I think you really have to meet these creators. Um, so any if, any if advice I, on on how? Yeah, to so do I, that? I would be running and like hitting up all these events, right? I'd go to VidCon, I'd go to Vid Summit, I'd go to every conference, trying to you know meet these people and and show them what what you can do. Because um, all these creators, they, there's a mob, right? Like we were we were walking in the halls there, and like John could not even he had to like hide because <laughs> there was like a mob of people every time he tried to leave the room. Um. But, you know, get contacts and just you have to what, show what's that What's the can... best way? So let, let's say that I'm a, I'm a tech startup operator and I want to become a creator COO and I want to get in touch with John yeah. uh, or somebody like John. But I want to do it in a way that I stand out from the mob, as you put I it. How do you stand the out? The easiest transition would be like if you work for a company, I think like Uscreen in an operations role that understands the space. Maybe you've worked on partnerships with the creator before. That's like the perfect marriage because you have the operation side and you have the creator space. And, and maybe there's a familiarity where, where you've already met before. Um, if you don't have that, I, like if I was pitching from real estate, I, I could show like the profitability of how efficiently I've run a business. And then I would say how specifically I can make that pitch and apply to the creator space. It is a pitch though. I understand it, it's, it's hard to, there's not that many roles and you have to really convince someone that you're the right person for the job. It's, kind of, it's, it's like a marriage, a business marriage in, in a lot of ways. And, yeah. And, and there's not a, there's not a defined, there's not a defined career path yet. You know, there's not like this pipeline of talent in. So I suspect that I'm seeing a lot of people becoming creator CEOs coming from very different backgrounds. And, yeah. I, and I imagine that's probably going to be true for a while. Over time, Two to three years, maybe there maybe there becomes a more obvious pipeline in of talent. I, I think though, even if you don't look at creators in particular, just any any job, right? I don't even like the way it necessarily works, right? You have to, you know, climb the corporate ladder, and just because you have that experience, that doesn't mean that there's other people with different experience who wouldn't be just as good or different for the role. So. As the creator economy evolves and there's more creators that have a more defined role, I still don't think that it has to be a specific way. And maybe it's it's good that people from different skill sets um, have a chance at this kind of role. And unlike a corporation, right, a, a single creator could just say, "I like this person, I trust this person," um, and, and get and get opportunities that you wouldn't otherwise have. So I, I kind of like that. Yeah. So there's there's something here about sort of equitable access, and uh, this this is a role where. You, there's a there's a high degree of emphasis placed on being entrepreneurial, and that that's that's a, that is a skill set that's you find in a broader swath of people than yeah, just and that's I don't great. know people who went to Harvard for their MBA. Exactly. There's something there's something nice about that. Yeah, 
And I think creators are, in general, it's one of the most equitable or fair ways to, to rise because if you can make good content and have a fan base, there's, no one cares about your credentials, right? It's do you engage with your audience and make engaging content? And th that's it. That's the only requirement, which is really hard to do. I'm not saying it's, you know, otherwise I think everyone would be a creator. Um, so, but, but it's not based on your resume. Where do you see this uh, creator COO role, this business manager role evolving over the next two years, five years? I think of a creator as a business entity um, and, and a big one. You know, right now it's kind of you know, smaller creators are growing. But if you look at the biggest people at the top, right, like I, we just went to, we just had a, we just did a rewired um, at the University of Arkansas with Walmart and they're doing major partnerships with to sell products at Walmart. Um, you know, Mr. Beast has his, has his chocolate bars or like Logan Paul's Prime. Um, Do Perfect just launched a streaming service. So these are becoming big, big businesses. And I think this COO role is going to evolve the same way you'd need a COO at, at a major corporation. I think, you know, that's, that's the way this is trending. I want to try a hypothesis out on you. Get your, get your take on, on this idea. So I have this idea that I have this sense more so than an idea that there's this battle going on right now between creators and established businesses. And yeah, I agree. I in in a way that I, I don't know. I don't know that everybody that's participating in it is is fully aware of it yet. Uh, so, so let me explain this this idea a bit. There's on one side, you've got the you've got the creators, and they see big business opportunity. A lot of that revenue started with brand sponsorships. Mm -hmm. Many have moved on to selling info products and and merch, um, yep. other high margin mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, and then there's a there's a there's a smaller subset of that group, which I think is growing really fast, of creators who are thinking about like, how do I build a long-term, more sustainable, durable business. So think of this as uh, a creator like Dr. Mike launching a healthcare services business um, or, you know, or even like franchising primary care offices or, um, mm -hmm. um, and, and I think we've seen this a little bit with like, you know, some of the creators out yeah, there. I, I, like CPG I think creators are going to win this battle. I, it's definitely a thing, right? The, I, the battle um, on the other side is, or the, the approach on the other side is, you've got these established businesses who are bringing in in-house creators, and that's how they compete. That's and what they need and to they're do. trying to, and that's they're sort right. of, they're both competing over. I think I, my sense is that the, that the success, you know, over the next five to ten years, uh, is is going to, it's going to be, it's going to be won by whoever controls the audience in the communities. Yeah, I mean, uh, what's interesting, right? Traditional media can't sell, like not in the way that creators can sell. People engage with their favorite creators every day. They feel like they have a personal relationship. They want to support those creators through their products. And, and you know, Walmart's not stupid or companies like that, right? They, they're partnering with creators because it's wildly successful. Um, and so I think creators, you know, they're taking away media budgets from traditional media every day from other businesses. And you, you just can't compete in a marketing, marketing those products, uh, you know, the, the way creators can. So the, I think the only thing to do is embrace it. 
have you have you and John considered launching one of these more sort of I don't know what the exact right way to phrase it is, but these sort of (laughs) more durable sort of core economy type businesses. So, for example, have you ever thought about launching a software business or launching a services business or? um, Yeah, of course. I mean, we're launching courses already. Mm hmm. Um, we are we are thinking about software and all, but the thing to be mindful of that too is one. I think you have to be really established to do that because the only way to keep selling your products is to have engaging content and your audience connect with you. And running an entirely separate business, leaning on your brand, is a business of itself. So, do you have that capacity? Are you going to run it well? The worst thing you could do is is run a product and it's a disaster, and then your it's brand risky. is tarnished. It's risky. So. I think it's only advisable for, I guess, creators that know they have the the capacity, the right talent in place, and they're of a certain size and scale. Because otherwise, you know, you're wasting your time. You want if you're going to set all this up and put in this type of investment, um, you know, you need to be able to sell it. Yeah. So that so you, you see it as an opportunity, but it's going to take a lot more investment up front, probably than maybe selling merch or, or a course. It's At a risky. Certain, I mean, if you want to sell a couple t-shirts like to your fans, like that's not what I'm talking about. Like right. sell some merch. You have some loyal fans. Even as small creators, you could do that. If you're like opening up a factory or like hiring an engineering team, I think you have to be, you have to have budget and you got to be big. Um, and so this, this goes back to the battle. I, it, it's, you've sort of got, so if you, if you think, if, if you think about in the next five to 10 years, um, the battle being over the audience and the community. On one side, you've got the the creators who are partner, partnering with creator COOs who are better at the audience thing. They're better at the community thing. They're closer to owning it, but maybe they're a bit more deficient on the operational side. On the other hand, you've got these businesses who are perhaps used to more complex operations, bigger operational teams, but they're really bad at audience and community. Uh, and my sense is, I I don't know that I don't know who's going to win. I, my sense is that if all of that equity my, value that's going to get created is going to accrue to the to the creator, it it makes sense to me that the creator COO is going to be a really big part of that story. I think a lot of people, if you have the, I guess in my case, right, if I ha- if you have a, if you're supporting a creator that has an audience and you have someone who understands operational like operations. I feel confident I could figure this out. Like, if I wanted to sell merch, like, you know, I would source it. I would f- hire designers. I would, I would figure it out. Um, even if I don't have all these skill sets and I make some mistakes, for sure. Uh, but it's, you know, it's not rocket science. So, it I think is in not that rocket sense, science. Even though, like, another company may, I'm sure they do have better, uh, you know, do have operations and 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 like infrastructure in place that we don't have, but that comes at a high cost. So for me, I would say, okay, what does this cost and how does it outweigh the time it would spend for me to figure it out and get the right partners that aren't, that aren't as expensive? But the, the real value for me to partnering with somebody was, is it, like, is it a brand that I can work with that's, that's like a, lo- a beloved brand that's like, um, I, I don't know what's an example of that, but like, just an, an established brand that partners with a creator where they already have a brand loyal following. So it's kind of like a collab with a brand. I think that's really valuable. 
And then I also think it's really valuable if like a big company has distribution. If you want to sell a product, they have distribution everywhere. Well, I, I, I can't sure. build that. You know, sure, like like getting your product into retail at a place like Walmart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Built-in distribution. So that, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that and so those two things are really valuable. Back to that idea, I think there's, I think there's, there, my sense is there's some ways in which it's true that there's this battle going on between creators and established businesses over this huge market opportunity. Um, but I also, I could also see some ways in which they're collaborators as well, and I, I'm, I'm very interested to yeah, see how I, like. Exactly. And they are. And I, I love that. You know, it's kind of a, it's a win-win for everyone. And, and there's that, that, yeah, that, that's a great partnership and it, it works. I'm seeing some early signs of these sort of creator partnership for equity type deals mm-hmm. uh, that I think are, are, are really promising. I don't see them a lot. I don't see them frequently, but I am seeing them more, more and more often. As, as I think, it's, yeah, passes. it's also just a choice. Like, do you want to spend all this time or maybe like years figuring it out? Or can you just like sign it, get it done, and and have someone else manage it for you? Um, but I, it, it depends what's important to you, you know. But I, again, it's just a trust. It's also a trust thing. They're using your face and your name to to sell. So you're you're putting your stamp of approval on it. <laughs> so we uh, we try to wrap these these conversations up with yeah. one or two really pointed pieces of, pieces of advice for okay. our audience and. Uh, most of our audience, they're, they're either creator, creators or creator operators. Um, you've been doing this now with, with John for, for, uh, for two years. Any, um, any other pieces of advice that you might have for creators or creator COOs who are thinking about going down this relationship and, you know, and, and tying up together? I think I touched on you know, I'm pretty much everything, but I, I'll, I'll, my, my, my key points are just the biggest one is trust. You know, you're giving access to your bank accounts, your, your strategy or everything. So you better like this person better, better be your best friend that you would trust with your life. Um, so I, I would vet someone like that and who you trust both personally and professionally. And the other thing to remember, right, that most creators don't always realize is while you're making engaging content for your audience, this is a business through and through. And, uh, and think about that and, you know, terms of of everything you're doing can you make it profitable and efficient thanks for those words of advice yeah and thanks for taking the time amanda yeah thanks so much for taking the time as well this was fun i hope we do it again soon yeah yeah sounds good thanks matt thanks for listening to this episode of the creator coo if you found this valuable you can subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode also please consider giving us a rating and a review as this helps other creators and creator coos like you to find the podcast this episode was produced by rebecca donovan at uscreen with support from the team at share your genius it was edited by chandler chapel with artwork design by spencer marsh i'm matt estes and you've been listening to the creator coo see you next time